book of Acts, chapter 3. I'll go ahead and warn you from the outset that this will essentially be part two of the message I preached a couple of weeks ago. And I make no apology for it. It is what I feel led of the Lord to preach from and to do today in this place, to minister. Acts chapter 3, we'll begin our reading with verse 1 as you turn there. And it's good to see so many Bibles. Amen. God bless you. Bring your Bible to church. That's a good thing. Amen. It doesn't need to be at home collecting dust on the coffee table or on some shelf or worse yet. You know, oh, the worst. This, this is the worst. The worst is the Bibles that are left on the dash of the car or the back window of the car. That's when it's really bad. If it's on the dash, then that means it's probably being used, maybe. But if it's in the back window, it's just being ruined by the, the sun, damaged. Oh, it's the holy word of God. Amen. So bring your Bibles to church. And it's good to see so many here today and all of our guests. Refuge Church, let our guests know how glad we are that they're here today. Amen. You say, Pastor, you're just complimenting us about our Bibles. How can we let our guests know? Well, just thump away on your Bible. We're glad our guests are here. Acts chapter 3. And uh, good to be, good to be back. It's good to be back. Um, I ain't going to lie, if I spend a few more days in Florida, I, I, I wouldn't have complained. My kids would have, though. My kids were ready to come home. I think they were sick of each other and sick of their parents. They were ready to be with their friends, ready to be back home. But thank you so much to this great church that made it possible for my family and I uh, to be away on vacation. We rested. We pretty much did almost nothing. And uh, it was just a wonderful time of rest and renewal. And uh, someone asked if we, if we went to church while we were, while we were out of town. And uh, <coughs> I tried. I tried to take my family to church. But uh, now listen, we didn't go to church the whole time, but we had church every day. We had, and, and I, wanted, I wanted my kids, I wanted, I knew for myself and for my wife that we could, we could rest and soak in the sun and listen to the waves of the ocean, you know, endlessly <laughs> every day. But our souls would not receive the rest and strength if we detached ourselves from the word of God and from the presence of God. And so every day we got to spend time together discussing what we read in our Bibles and praying together. Um, they, we would pray through, what was it, three songs? Three songs. And uh, I, they, would, they would fight over who had the, the playlist for the, song, the prayer time. And uh, I said, I got the playlist today. It's ten songs. <laughs> they didn't want to pray through ten songs. I don't know what's wrong with them, but. Now, we had a great time, and thank you to all who led in our absence and uh, all who were faithful. And uh, you knew your pastor was going to be gone, but you still showed up to church. And, uh, of course, special thanks to Brother Walker, Brother Perry, for doing a superb job, from what I hear, of delivering the word of the Lord and ministering in my absence. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John went up together. That's a key right there. They went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, another key, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried. So a man that was born 
unable to use his legs. He was carried. They laid every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. And he was laid there so that he could ask alms or charity of them that entered into the temple. Who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, he held on to him. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or look, why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof ye are witnesses. And his name, someone say his name. His name through faith in, someone say his name has made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And everybody say amen. 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 I believe that the Lord wants to speak to us. I believe more than just speaking to us. I believe that the Lord wants to minister in this place. I pray that that is exactly what happens, that through the preached word of God and through the response to his word, that there would be true life change that would happen in this room today. Somebody say, in the name of Jesus. Amen. That's what I'm preaching from, in the name of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. Thank you for what you're about to do in this place. I believe, Lord, that people are going to be touched by the hand of God. That your word is going to go forth. And Lord, we want to be ready to receive it. Pray. Pray for this church. Pray for every person here. Pray for yourself. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to be receptive. We want to put away distractions and everything, Lord, that would hinder the ministry of the word of God in this place. That we will receive, that we will hear, that we will respond to your word. Let it be done, even according to your will, 
We ask this in Jesus' name, Lord. Help me to minister into the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now in my life. Lord, we give your name all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise before you're seated. In the name of Jesus, you may be seated. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You know, the Lord is just, he's ordering our steps. If you'll let him, if you let his word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path, if you allow his spirit to lead and guide you into all truth, amen, he will order your steps. And there will be moments where you realize you cannot deny that God is just kind of guiding you. On the way down to Florida, we had a bit of, bit of a hiccup in our plans. Never happened to me before. Hopefully it will never happen again. But we were on uh, the leg of our flight. We had a couple layovers, but we were on the leg of our flight where we were going to fly right there into Destin uh, Fort, it's not Fort Worth, whatever it is, Fort Walton Airport. And uh, we were warned that the visibility was very low. The ceiling was very low. Uh, for the pilot to, to be able to land the plane. There was a delay, but we all finally got on the plane. We took off. We flew from Nashville down to the airport, and he was coming, and he says, I'm going to try to land the plane. Now, when the pilot says, I'm going to try to land the plane, <laughs> that's not a good sign. And uh, sure enough, you, you could feel you could feel the the plane begin to uh, begin to descend and to make its preparations to land. And then all of a sudden, you felt that plane just go straight up like you were taking off. And you the whole you know plane you know 50 plus people were just like oh you know like we all knew what was up. And he says I'm going to try again. And if we don't get it this time, we're going to have to head back to Nashville. And, oh, the, the outrage. Everyone was just so upset. And he, he tried again, and sure enough, you could see out the windows. I mean, it was just like cloudy, thick, like a dense fog. And you could see the, the, the illumination of the, the fog from the lights on the plane. And, and we tried to land, and again, we went back up and flew an hour back to Nashville. Never happened since to me, and hopefully it will never happen again. But uh, we had to stay the night in Nashville. So it was a, it was a bit of a bummer. Uh, we, we were looking forward to being able to get there that night and wake up you know, in the, in the house that we'd be staying in the next morning. But plans changed, and I remember getting back to Nashville, and it was, it was, it was 1130 at night. It was, it was midnight by the time we, we had to get our luggage from check luggage, baggage claim, get our luggage, and we, we went out, uh, the place where you would wait on, a, on, a, on someone to pick you up. And uh, we called, we, we hailed an Uber driver, and Uber driver came to pick us up. And I had noticed, so here we are in Nashville, and I noticed that the name of the Uber driver uh, <laughs> was, was someone of Burmese descent. And you might say, well, how do you know that? Well, it's because we had a ministry for the Burmese community in, in here in Rock Island for three years. And I, I just, I, I could tell by the name that he was probably a Burmese man, uh, particular Chin. Uh, that was uh, his dialect or his people. And uh, so he picked us up, and a uh, large SUV, we got in the vehicle, and I, I said, God is good. And I could, I could see, you know, the profile of the driver, so I knew, like, that was in his profile. God is good all the time. 
So I was like, God is good. But like you could tell he didn't want to have any conversation. And his English was very, very broken. And, uh, and, but I persisted to still have conversation with him. And uh, sorry to take such a long time to tell you this, but I just want you to know that God, he's involved in your life. And even the setbacks really can just be setups for, for God to work through you. And, and we're talking to him, and uh, I said, yeah, we're from Rock Island. He said, Rock Island? Like all of a sudden, like he wanted to talk. He said, I lived in Rock Island. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah, we had a church in Rock Island. Because I was asking him what church you go to. And, and uh, he said, yeah, I was in Rock Island. He said, do you know Joseph Tong? And I said, do I know Joseph Tong? He was our translator for two years when we had a church, a ministry for the Burmese community. And, I, and he got all excited. And, and then I begin to name Kam Khan and, and Asin and all these different people that I knew from this community. And he knew every one of them. His mind was just blown. And, it, you know, I, I was able to give him a card. I said, please make sure you talk to these people and let them know that David Brown said hello. And we got our luggage. And we got into the, air, uh, the, the hotel and we got in the elevator. And my son, he just didn't say anything. He's like, And, and it just, you've got to understand that you don't have to be so smart to figure everything out. I'm not against a plan. I like to have a plan. I like to have a church calendar. I like to have things scheduled. In the past 24 months since COVID has messed with me, things canceled and things changed and things not in person and things online and all these changes when you had a plan. I was thinking just last night I was printing off some more church calendars for 2022 because we have some new people that didn't get it when we were we ha had them passed out in December. So we've got a few church calendars. If you need one, just see us after service. We've got a few. But... That messes with me because I want to have a plan. I want to have things figured out. I remember when I, I came here in 2003. It was not 2019. I, I want to get these dates right. I was telling a story a few sermons back, and I was telling the wrong date. that God was going to move me, and it, I kept on saying 2019. It was not 2019 or whenever I said it. But in 2003, when the Lord directed me to come here to the city of Rock Island to help uh, the, the church that is in Silvis, our neighboring church, uh, plan a daughter work. At that time, it was, not, it was not like trendy, if I could say it that way, it wasn't a trendy thing in church culture to be a church planter. In fact, I never even heard the term church planter. Uh, I just knew that I got my pastor's approval and I came and answered the call. I, knew I could take you to the place on 9th Street where I was riding in the Chrysler Concord of Richard Plunk's vehicle. And he was showing me the hood of Rock Island. And I was on 9th Street next to the Hickman building. And he was telling me about how the, you know, the Silvis Church had come and had prayer meetings at the Hickman building and was believing that we're going to have a church here in Rock Island. And I take you to that place where I knew this is where God wanted me to be. It was, it was such a, it was a light bulb moment. It was so bizarre for me. I had plans to go back to the suburbs of Chicago, live where I grew up. But I, I said all that to say this, that we've, we've now got to a point over the past 20 years where, and, and, and it's kind of shifting again, but it became kind of trendy to, to start churches. And, and now there's these 
plans and there's these launch services. And I, I'm, not even, I'm not even saying it in such a way that it's a bad thing to have these, these plans and these launch services and preview services and have a, have a planting team and different things like that. My point is, Brother Andy, I didn't, I didn't even think about that. Like I was 21 years old. I, my brain was not yet fully developed. I just knew God wanted me here to start a church, right? And I, I feel a sense of, uh, of solace or connection to this early church when I read about it in the book of Acts. Because when you read about the, the planting of the church in the book of Acts, there was not some kind of like crazy drawn up, you know, plan that was put on a whiteboard and, and scrutinized and thought through and, and the logistics worked out and the resources there and the building there and all these resources brought together and a team of people. No, it really it was just, it was, you know what, go and pray and wait there and keep praying until the Holy Ghost falls. That's what Jesus told a group of 11 guys and the disciples that numbered maybe upwards of 500 people. But when it came on the day of Pentecost, there was just 120 gathered in a room having a prayer meeting and having a discussion of who's going to replace Judas. But listen, it was in that prayer meeting that God's spirit poured out like a rushing wind. It filled the house. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak as his spirit empowered them in languages that they had not learned, that they did not know themselves. But others were amazed and it drew a crowd that allowed Peter, the coward who denied Jesus when he was being tried and crucified, Three times now Peter stands up with this boldness on the day of Pentecost with 11 others and said, listen here, these people are not drunk like they look they're drunk, but they are filled with the Holy Ghost. This is exactly what Joel prophesied in Joel chapter 2. And he began to preach Jesus unto them. Look at, look at the team. The team were these ignorant, unlearned fishermen and tax collectors and, and these people that used to be possessed by seven devils, Mary Magdalene in particular, and here Jesus rallied together these people. It, it reminds me of the type or the shadow of Jesus Christ in the life of David in the Old Testament. David in the Old Testament, he was anointed to be the king but Saul was filled with jealousy and an evil spirit and caused David to go into hiding, Brother Walker. And while he was in hiding in a cave called Agilum, there were coming to him all kinds of thieves and robbers and outcasts and people that were disgruntled and, 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 and were, were just the outcasts of society. But with these men, Brother Perry, he gathered 300 strong men, mighty men of war that would one day do great things and hear Jesus in the New Testament. He gathered to himself people that the society of that day looked down upon and the religious leaders wouldn't have picked out to plant a church but Jesus said these are exactly the kind I'm looking for because these are the kind that will follow me wherever I go and whatever I lead them to do. 
And I believe that Jesus is still doing it the same way in 2022. He's gathering people that maybe society doesn't see as the one that deserves a promotion or the society doesn't. No, they're outcasts. But Jesus says it's exactly who I'm looking for to build my church, someone that will be committed, someone that will live their life surrendered to follow me. Oh, thank you, Lord. If you're thankful that God called you into his body and his kingdom, would you clap your hands and give the Lord a praise? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. I wish I had time. I would take you to John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, I'm going to tie this together here, but in John chapter 10, we see that Jesus is making these these bold claims about himself being the life, being the door, being the chief shepherd, and, and those that are his sheep know his voice. And the Bible says that Jesus at this time, it was, in fact, it says it very specifically in John 10, 22, that he was in Jerusalem. It was during the Feast of the Dedication, uh, which was a feast that the, Jew, the Jews had come up with to celebrate the rededication of the temple. It had, been, uh, it had been destroyed when they went into captivity by the Assyrians and by the Babylonians, but it had been rebuilt by Zerubbabel, and then Herod the king had led another renovation of the temple. And, and so now they're celebrating each year the Feast of Dedication, this, this party of dedication, a holiday, if you will. And Jesus is there, and I love how there's such detail. It says he was there during winter. It was in Jerusalem. It was during the Feast of Dedication. Now, listen, if this Bible was made up, it was, if it was just fables and stories that someone had come up with, you wouldn't have those kind of details because those are verifiable facts that could be linked and in geographical and archaeological findings. You could find history that shows that this Bible is true in what it said. He was there in winter. It was in Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication. Bible says in verse 23, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Solomon's porch. This was a, a place, you got to imagine that the, the temple, you know, don't think of just this 100 foot by 100 foot building. Okay, it was, it was quite grandiose. It's quite large. There was, there was, sure, there was the, the, the temple that God gave to Moses and then, then David gathered resources and Solomon built the temple and there was going to be a most holy place and a holy place and then there was the outer court where the altar and brazen labor were. But it was bigger than that because there was a place for, 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 for there to be gathering of people that couldn't go into the holy place but they could still come. They'd come into what was called the temple. They weren't going into the most holy place. They weren't going into the holy of holies. They were just, they were coming near the temple as close as they could get to where the ark of God was or the presence of God abode, the glory of God. They, they, there was even a court for the women. Hmm, interesting. There was, a, there was a court for the Gentiles. There was these different places and levels and layers where people could come and gather. In fact, it was almost like having a church lobby. I thank God for our lobby. People gather and they just, they fellowship together and they, they, they talk together. And, and, and the, so the temple was bigger than just, you know, just this place where a few people could go. And 
And so Jesus is there in what's called Solomon's porch. Now, you got to understand that Solomon's porch was probably completely destroyed. And, and what they had hoped is they could somehow regain the glory of what Solomon built. What Solomon built when he built the temple was it would have been regarded as one of the wonders of the known world and how big he made it. They say they tried to build it. In, in, in one commentary I read, Solomon's porch had 30 pillars. And the pillars were 37 feet tall. This room right here is not over 30 feet tall. So if you could imagine a pillar that was 37 feet tall. 30, all these pillars that lined this corridor. And, it, and it, was, it was here that Jesus gathered because you had all these pillars, these 37 pillars. And, and it allowed them, or 37 feet tall and all these pillars that allowed for there to be a covering over the top. And so they were there during wintertime. And it was here at Solomon's porch that Jesus was asked, listen, can you just talk straight to us? This is the religious leaders. Can you just talk straight to us? Are you the Christ or not? The Bible goes on to say, listen, I told you already, but you wouldn't listen. And so he goes on and he says, listen, I and the Father, we are one. Bible says that they picked up stones and they were ready to kill Jesus because he being a man makes himself God. Now why did I bring up this story from John chapter 10? It's because it's in Solomon's porch that Peter and John are there going up to the temple at the hour of prayer and they see this man lame from birth that the miracle is bestowed upon and the man is leaping and walking and praising God because that's the kind of reaction that is normal that one should express when they experience the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Uh, let, let me expound on that just a little bit before I go further. When you encounter the presence of God and the power of God, it's okay. In fact, it's in order. We have biblical precedent that you should get a little excited and you should allow the emotion that's on the inside be expressed on the outside. Hey, God has been good to me. He has transformed my life. He has saved my soul. He has done something for me that nobody else could do. And I'm glad about it. I don't care what you think about my praise, but I'm here to give God glory any way that this physical body can because he's so good. I wish somebody right now would clap your hands and go ahead if you feel like it. Stand to your feet. Give God a shout of praise because of what he has done in your life. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I've got good news for somebody here today. He's done more. He's done more than just heal you from a disease you were born with. He's done more than cure you of a physical ailment. He's healed you of a spiritually crippling condition that was bestowed on you from your great-great-great-granddaddy, Adam. And sin had been passed on from generation to generation. But somebody was able to bury you in the watery grave of baptism. And in the name of Jesus, Christ, you were able to rise up and walk. Oh, you ought to thank God if you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, if you've been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Oh, let's clap our hands together right now and just give him some praise. Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be seated. Listen, they were in this Solomon's porch. This is where, this is where the man grabbed Peter and John. And he was walking with them. He wasn't grabbing onto Peter and John because his legs were still weak and he was barely, they were dragging him. No, he was walking and leaping and praising God. You might even say he was skipping. Like Brother Perry did at our annual report. He skipped up to the pulpit. That was a very funny moment. We needed to liven things up and so I asked him, could you skip to the pulpit? He's like, sure. I was kind of kidding, Brother Perry, but I'm glad you took it sincerely. So if you could imagine someone like Brother Perry just skipping to the pulpit. Here's this man, never walked a day in his life. I could walk. I could skip. I could jump. I could, listen. I... You ever seen a pastor skip in church? You just did. <laughs> but think about it. Someone needs to be reminded of the miracle. Not only that we read about in scripture, but that we have experienced in our lives. When you're baptized in Jesus' name and the shame and the guilt and the stain of sin that can keep you from the presence of God, the hold that it has on your life is broken and you are set free. I just feel like walking and leaping and praising God. Lord, don't let it get old to me. Don't let it be something that I don't get excited about still. I like singing that old song, when I think about the Lord, how he picked me up, turned me around, makes me want to shout, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> can, I just, can I just attack the enemy who's attacking you right now? I know that the enemy is trying to be pushing you under his nasty thumb and tell you, but you don't know, Pastor, what I've done this past week and you don't know where I've been and what I've seen. But I'm telling you that the power of the name of Jesus that was able to wash away your sins in baptism is still present and powerful today to bring you a fresh and new beginning. Woo, hallelujah. You say the name, it's already been applied. The blood has already been applied. And devil, you don't know what you're messing with when you mess with me. I plead the blood. I call on the name of Jesus. And devil, you didn't, you didn't die for me. You didn't suffer for me. But it was the name of Jesus. It was the name of Jesus. You see, Peter and John, they, they did this act of kindness. Peter said it was this good deed. If we be examined today of this good deed, heard a saying, we should go around doing kindness to others because you don't know what battle they're facing. Right? I think that's a good saying. I think Christians 
should be leading the way in acts of kindness, in good deeds. That's what Peter said. It was just a good deed. It was just something that we saw a need and we met the need because we had the cure for the need. We just met the need. It was a good deed. It wasn't by our power. It wasn't by our holiness. And here's where, where I want to tie back to as far as planning a church. Here is Peter and John. And the, the conclusion of those who questioned him the next day was they're just unlearned, ignorant fishermen. But they have been with Jesus. And that is enough to make all the difference. Oh, praise God. Oh, praise God. Listen, we cannot get away from the center of the church. The center of the church is Jesus Christ. And we must spend time with Jesus. We've got to show people Jesus Christ, not just a nice building and not just great programs and not just great music. We've got to show people we've been with Jesus. We've been with him. Brother Walker, your, your words yesterday stirred my heart when you were talking about growing up and, and going to, to school, going to high school here in Rock Island and how the best you could remember, you cannot remember anyone that stood out, they're a Christian. They go to church. Nobody. But he pointed out our young people and how the story is going to be different for the class that's coming up right now. Because we've got some young ladies and some young men that are going to put a, an impression on someone's mind where they remember. I celebrate over the tremendous work that God is doing. I hope this is all right, Sister. I rejoice over what God is doing in your life, Sister Brittany. Sister Brittany Coleman, come to church. She was it was it just social media or how you found out social media? She attracted her attention, and uh, so thank God for our social media posts. Anytime that there's a picture posted or anything like that, news getting out about special service. But uh, <laughs> what was so cool is uh, we got reached out to someone that we both know. I don't know if you know this yet. I don't know if my wife's talked to you, no? Mia, Maya, Tia. I knew it was a three-letter name. <laughs> and, and Tia reached out to my wife. Uh, she's, she's a missionary. And she reached out to my wife. They had known each other a little bit and said, listen, there is a lady that has reached out to me that loves your all's church. Well, listen, we went to high school together in Mississippi. <laughs> and she reached out to me because she knew I was a United Pentecostal Church member. And she's going to a United Pentecostal Church. She remembered her from high school. Now, listen, young people, you don't know the impact. You don't know the impact. Sister Ash, I, I saw you and. Someone else. I, 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 don't, I, I just recognized you. I was driving down 16th Street in Moline, and I saw a red lifeguard hoodie. I said, I had no idea we needed lifeguards in Moline. 
And Sister Ashley, God, his purpose for you and for all of these young ladies and young men and, and to all of you that are, that, that, that are right here in the, in the community and in the neighbor, neighborhood and in your workplace, you're a lifeguard. You're, you're someone that can rescue people from drowning in sin. I've come, listen, it's a simple message. I, I'm done. Let's have an altar call here in just a few moments. But listen, you don't know who your life is touching. You don't, I know, I know that you, you look at some people and they, they, they got it all together. Brother Craig, you got it all together. I, I, I know that you never experience a hard time. You can't, even, you can't even relate with some of the stuff I go through. Oh, are you kidding me? I know that my brother, that he's experienced hard times in his life. And, and you might think and look at him and his family here today and think, no, he, he's never experienced a bad day. I wish you'd just take the time to let him tell you what God has done in his life and in his marriage and in his family. I'm, I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but it's time that we all wake up and realize if it wasn't for the grace of God, if it wasn't for the name of Jesus, and it's time that we go about doing some good deeds because you've given, been given power to be a witness. A witness of what? A witness that Jesus is still alive. And you can look at my life and see that he's still alive. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray right now that in this room would be like in that book of Acts chapter 4 where they prayed and you filled them with boldness. I pray let there be an apostolic boldness that would come upon this family of God. I pray that we would realize the great treasure and weapons that we have in our hands of the blood of the Lamb, the name of Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord. You are with us. You are with this church. And Lord, the city is before us. Revival is here. Revival is now. And it's time from child to adult that we recognize the power that is within us is able to transform not only our lives but all those that our lives is able to touch. Somebody say in Jesus name, would you stand together with me and just give your heart and give your praise to the Lord right now. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for what you're doing right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we be examined this day of the good deed done before you all, Peter said, know this, it's not by your own power, it's not by your own holiness. Which I do think that it's interesting that the apostle Peter, he put on the same plane power and holiness. Because I believe that through holiness, holy vessels of God, the power of God rests. But it's not our power, it's his power. He said, but be it known unto you all that by the name of Jesus Christ and by faith in this name, does this man stand before you in perfect soundness and wholeness. Hallelujah. He went on to preach in Solomon's porch. What a moment, Brother Joe. It must have been. Because I don't doubt that Peter, as a preacher, I, I could relate to this. Brother Perry, have you ever been preaching or teaching and like a hundred thoughts are going through your mind? Even though like certain words are going in your mouth, you're, you're thinking, why are they on their phone over there? <laughs> All of a sudden you think, oh my goodness, I left the lights on at the house. My wife's going to kill me. 
But in Peter's mind, what it must have been like to be there in Solomon's porch and remembering Jesus saying, I and the Father are one. <laughs> and the revelation that Jesus was the Christ, the anointed Messiah of God. And on that day, they took up stones to kill Jesus. But on this day, because Jesus did die, Peter was able to stand with John and the man who had been miraculously healed from a defect that he was born with. Brother Andy, he stood and preached Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And he, he brought revelation to them. He said... Listen, I know there was a day when you thought to stone him and then you successfully had him crucified. But that was the Messiah. And it's by him that this man stands before you whole. The proof of him being the Messiah is standing here with us now. And the Bible says on that day, 5,000 people believed. Solomon's porch how grand it must have been. How big it must have been. It was the entryway. It, it was just outside there that there was that gate called beautiful. And all oh, the contrast of a beautiful gate and a crippled man. But where else can you find the true help that you need? That it's more than just money. If money could fix the problem, you don't have problems. Jesus Christ is really the answer. I'm not, here to, uh, I'm not here to trivialize perhaps your financial woes, but hear me right now. He will make a way. Jesus is truly all I need. He's more than enough. I wish I could convince somebody right now who would step out from where you're standing or sitting and make your way up to a place wherever it is in this room of prayer and say, Lord, thank you for reminding me. I may not have the perfect plan. I may not have the resources. But if I've got Jesus, I'm waiting for those times of refreshing. I know that you could provide every one of my needs. I know you're able to meet me, Lord, wherever I am spiritually, physically, emotionally today would be a great day to recommit your life to Jesus Christ to surrender your heart your mind your soul and your strength to the Lord today would be a great day if you need to to come and fall before the Lord and say Lord I repent of my sins I confess I forsake them and I surrender to you I put my faith in you Lord God you don't know what tomorrow holds, and you don't know what the person that your life can touch is going through. But just continue to follow the leading of the Lord. Continue to do good deeds in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let the Lord talk to you. Go ahead and talk to the Lord. He has spoken from his word. Now go ahead and talk to him. Let's make ourselves available today. Before we leave this place, let's make ourselves available today. Lord, I surrender to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 